You are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPAV, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And once again, I am alone. I do not have Maggie the Mags with me today because of the current pandemic that is going on. Everything is being done separately. So if the sound sounds different from prior episodes, it is because of this new way in which we are having to record. And so what is today's topic? That's a good question you might be asking. And if you didn't read the title of the episode or the description, let me fill you in. It is about the importance of execution. So how we execute things. I'm going to be examining that through a comparison of the Air Jordan 2 and the Air Jordan 3, both of which are signature shoes of Michael Jordan. But before we get into that, our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is basically that anything that I espouse or others espouse in this episode or prior episodes or future episodes is, is, is simply our opinion. That's right. Everything we say is just our opinion. So you can agree with it or you can disagree with it if you want. But yeah, it's just our opinion. We do not claim to have the ultimate truth or the sole correct viewpoint on other things. We acknowledge that other people can have other viewpoints. So yeah, now with that out of the way, back to our main topic, which I said is an examination of the Air Jordan 2 and the Air Jordan 3. And you, you, you might be wondering, well, why, 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 why this? Why, why, why look at these two, these two shoes and their execution? Well, if you're someone who is not into shoes, uh, you're going to get a little look into the world of, of sneakers and, and Jordans in particular. The reason why I'm talking about execution through these two shoe models is because one of these shoes is much loved in the sneaker community, sneaker world, and the other is, I don't want to say reviled, because I think that's too strong of a word, but it is not as accepted or as liked, so people kind of turn away from them. I'll give you two seconds to guess which shoe, if you're unfamiliar. All right, so time's up. So people love the Air Jordan 3, but do not love the Air Jordan 2. The Air Jordan 2 is like the forgotten child of the Air Jordan line. So most people like the first 14 signature models because those are the ones that Jordan played in while he was playing for the Chicago Bulls. And of those 14, like I said, the 2 generally is the least liked. It will generally be featured on the bottom of anyone's top Jordan lists. And most people don't even have it. You'll be hard pressed to find someone wearing them on the street. I've only ever seen it twice. Someone wearing an Air Jordan 2 and one was a low. So uh, like I said, it's pretty rare. Whereas the other models, not all are as common, but you will see them if you, if you pay attention to what people wear. Both shoes, like I said, have the same elements. They're made up of the same basic things. And I'll go over what those things are in a second. But they're very closely related in terms of, like I said, the elements that make up the shoe. More so than any other two uh, Air Jordan shoes. Because you can, this is how I kind of think of them. You can kind of see some of them are like derivatives of the prior model that came, the one, the model that came before it. 
So this is how I break them up. I don't know if anyone else does this, but if you look at the three, four and five, you can kind of see an evolution of how you get from the three to the four to the five. And then in the next block, you have six, seven, eight. And if you look at the Air Jordan six, seven and eight, you can kind of see how you transition from one to the other. And then you get to nine, 10 and 11. And you can kind of throw 12 in there, but nine, 10 and 11. Again, you see a flow, uh, how they transition from the next from the next one to the next one. And then you have 12 and 13 and you can kind of see how they flow from the 12 to the 13. And then you have the 14, which kind of is something completely different. And then you can go 15 and on. But like, like I said, I'm only going to look at the top 14 there. So with those similar waves, you can see the transition as you go from one shoe to the next. And part of the reason is that all those shoes are designed by the same designer. So he has waves that he went in and you kind of see it through a couple of iterations of a shoe before like a new, a new base model, I guess. A new approach was uh, implemented. But the thing about the two and the three is that they're made by two different designers and they're made by two different designers, but they took the same elements, but the end result was a different shoe. And when I say different shoe, I mean, obviously, yes, they look different, but I'm talking about how they're received by people at the time and then how they're received like now. So you have different results, but again, with the same basic elements, that's why I find it fascinating. So basically it comes down to how you implement these elements and how you end up with your final product that kind of like will dictate how it's received, both in terms of, well, it could be performance or it could just be aesthetics and how people react to the shoe upon seeing it and wearing it. You're left with, well, at least I was left with, this is why I'm like talking about this. The subject is why, why is one like so much, but the other is not given how close the shoes are. Before we get into the direct comparison between the two, let's take it back a, a, a second. You have Michael Jordan, who comes into the NBA. He signs a shoe deal with Nike, which was not his first choice. If you if you read into this at all, his first choice was Adidas, because that's what he played in, I believe, at the Olympics. I think in the 1984 Olympics. His first choice was Adidas. Uh, he was thinking of Converse. Nike was basically the last thing on his mind in terms of like where he wanted to sign for a signature shoe. And he really didn't sign with Nike until he was like basically forced <laughs> by his parents to to go to the, I think the initial meeting with Nike. And then he finally decided to go with them because Nike said, we will make you the focus. We will give you your signature line of shoes or products. Whereas other companies, like if you signed a Converse, which had like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and several other top players uh, in the NBA at the time. If you sign there, you will just be another one of the people at Converse. Like you won't stand out because I believe I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure no one at Converse had like their own signature shoe. You just wore whatever the Converse shoe was. And if you look at their ads at the time, all the players that they have are together and it's nothing that like separates you from everyone else that signed. So that presented Michael Jordan with something different. 
So then you have the Air Jordan 1 that comes out and perhaps it is a wildly successful shoe. I've I do or I did see an article from the Chicago Tribune saying that the, the Air Jordan 1 was a huge hit in terms of sales. Apparently it sold between three to four million pairs uh, in 1985 and it's, that generated uh, around fifty five million dollars. Well, that seems pretty successful. I mean, three to four million pairs. That's a lot. And then, of course, the Air Jordan 1 has a long-lasting cultural impact. Even now, if you want to buy an Air Jordan 1, ooh, it's difficult, especially if it's a really hot colorway. Difficult to buy an Air Jordan 1. So, like, they're still making big money on the Air Jordan 1. So it did, it's a shoe that has a lasting impact. So it was, it was successful upon first release, and it's still successful, like, 35 years later. So it's a big shoe. So, again, taking it back, though, to 1985... Air Jordan 1 successful, as I said, three to four million pair sold, apparently around $55 million in sales. So it's a big deal. So the next question is, well, how do we follow that up? And so the designers of the Air Jordan 2 came up with a design that now, if you've never seen an Air Jordan 2, I would suggest you go and look it up just so you can see how different the shoe looks because it really stands out. Because if you look at Nike's shoes at this time, they all basically look the same. If you are someone who is not well versed in the different shoes, they definitely look all the same. If if you just are kind of glancing by, you'll just be, oh, wow, all those shoes look exactly the same. And the Air Jordan ones are no different. So you look at the ones, you look at Dunks, like I think Internationalists, a few other shoes like that. I don't know all their names. They all had weird, like weird freaking names that they that they had for their shoes. Uh, Air Force Ones. They all they all are pretty similar in design. They're not exactly the same. Like I said, if you're an expert, you can pick out the 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 minor differences to differentiate between the shoes. But if you're unfamiliar at all, or you're just quickly glancing through, they they pretty much look the same. So the Air Jordan 2 stands out. This is my conjecture here. Because the 2 isn't particularly loved, it's harder to find information about the 2. But my guess is, is they wanted to make a shoe that looked completely different. Because they didn't, I guess they didn't want to just make like something too similar to the Air Jordan 1. Because it was so successful, people would be like, oh, why am I going to get the Air Jordan 2? It looks exactly like the 1. It's kind of like when you have a film sequel to a popular movie. And the second one comes out and it's just like the first story all over again, kind of like the hangover (laughs) or all three hangover films. If you go on uh, Jordan.com and you look at the Air Jordan 2, there is a prototype of what the two was originally before they settled on like the final design. It looked very much like the Air Jordan 1 in terms of like its overall construction. So my guess is they wanted to do something completely different and have it stand out. So one of the ways that they made it different was that it was constructed in Italy, which at the time, I don't think that was commonplace, especially for a relatively large uh, company like Nike to do because the Air Jordan 1 and I'm sure most of the other shoes were manufactured in Korea. Nowadays, they're manufactured in China. And before they, I think, moved their manufacturing to Korea, things were done in Japan. So the move to Italy was a big change. So it was made in Italy. It was it was kind of presented as a luxurious sport shoe. Like the idea or theme behind the Air Jordan 2 was luxury meets basketball. So it's supposed to be this luxurious sport shoe. 
So if you look at it, you can kind of see it, especially like in its midsole, one that has like the darker midsole, it kind of looks like the midsole of like a dress shoe. You can kind of make that out there in the design. And it was one of the first shoes to not have any swoosh branding along the side. And on its side panels, it had lizard print and the back featured a uh, plastic heel counter or heel tab. And it kind of had like a mud guard that went around the front toe box there. And it featured a full length air sole because Michael Jordan was coming off an injury that he suffered at the end of his, well, at the beginning of the season, but he came back to play at the end of his second season. So he didn't play, I think he played less than 20 games his second season. So with this in mind, it was coming off a foot injury. It had full length air unit in it, in the shoe to provide more comfort. So it has those elements in there. So now let's jump ahead to the Air Jordan 3. So Air Jordan 3 comes out and it has those same elements as the Air Jordan 2. It has animal print. Right, the Air Jordan 2, I said it had lizard print. The Air Jordan 3 featured elephant print. The Air Jordan 3 also featured the, a uh, mudguard that went around the front toe box. The Air Jordan 3 also has a plastic heel tab on the back. Also has no swoosh branding on the side. But on the plastic heel tab, it does say Nike Air on it. And on the 2, it did say Nike. It didn't say Nike Air, but it said Nike on the back. So you have those elements there. And on the tongue for both shoes, they had an Air Jordan logo. So on the two, it was the original Air Jordan logo, which is the Wings logo. And then on the three on the tongue, it featured the Jumpman logo, which is, you know, the Jumpman. It's the, you know, the image of uh, Michael Jordan about to slam the ball down in a, in a slam dunk. So those elements they had that were the same, and they also had the same kind of plastic eyelets on the eye stays of the shoe there. And then the other thing is, Jordan was wearing each shoe for the slam dunk contest. So the 87 and 88 slam dunk contest, he won wearing the Air Jordan 2 and 3 respectively. So at the All-Star Game, these shoes both closely resemble each other in terms of the elements that they are comprised of. They have the animal print. They have plastic heel tabs. They have a Jordan logo on the tongue. They have no swoosh branding on the sides. They're kind of the same shoe in that regard. But b both were designed, like I said, by different designers. So one designer took a certain approach on the Air Jordan 2. And then another designer for the Air Jordan 3 took those elements. Like I said, the animal print, the non-swoosh branding. But... They were assembled to me and I guess to a lot of other people in a better way. So when I when I think of, OK, well, so they have these elements. Yes, one looks nicer than the other. I mean, I like Air Jordan 2s. Don't get me wrong. I do have a couple of pairs of 2s and I do wear them because I like how they look. I know a lot of people do not. But I think the, the 3s look better in terms of, like I said, how it all comes together. It's much more effective at combining all these elements. So what I'm trying to think is, OK, well, why other than like the visuals, because that's something that's subjective. Why? Why does one shoe work, but the other does not? 
one of the things I'm thinking of, well, maybe it's because Michael Jordan did not like the Air Jordan 2. Now, I can't find exactly why that he did not like the Air Jordan 2, but from all that I've read and researched on it, he was not a particular fan of the 2. Now, by this time, before the, he was introduced to the 3, his initial contract with Nike was coming to an end. So it was not clear if he was going to resign with Nike. And so the designers of the Air Jordan 2 left Nike by this point. And they were trying to convince Michael Jordan to come sign at this new company that they had started. So Nike was in serious danger of losing their star athlete in terms of representing them. So like I said, Jordan was not a fan of the two. And, and like I said, I'm not exactly sure what his issues were with the two. I think one of the things based on some of the ideas that were taking in, into consideration in the construction of the three, I think for the two, Jordan felt like not enough of his input was taken into consideration when constructing the shoe. So, for example, for the, the Air Jordan 3, when Michael Jordan wanted a shoe that was or that had a mid cut. So it's height. He wanted it a bit. Shorter. He, he liked playing in more of a mid cut than a high top, which apparently was not common at the time. Most basketball shoes were either high tops or and I guess you could find low tops, but most of them were high tops. You didn't really have a mid cut. So he liked to have a mid cut. Even his Air Jordan ones, the ones that he wore and the game worn ones were different from the consumer versions because Jordan liked a mid-cut shoe so they cut him a little bit lower for him compared to like I said what you would buy at the store so the three the Air Jordan three like I said was mid-cut which was not common at the time and then its use of um, visible air units so this was a trend at the late 80s early 90s for Nike shoes they had the little window where you could see the air right that's why it's called air Jordan or Air Max or whatever the the shoe is. That's why the name Air is in there. Because there's a little plastic wedge or unit, whatever you want to call it, that houses a gas mixture that's supposed to lighten the shoe and provide cushioning on your foot. That's why it's called Air. So for the three, well, it wasn't the first shoe, but it was the first Air Jordan to feature that little cut away in the midsole so you could actually see it. And then overall, the three was lighter and sleeker. So I think also for Jordan, he found the shoe to be too bulky. Uh, again, in terms of its height, but also in terms of like, I think the thickness of the midsole and so on. Because Jordan liked to be lower to the ground. Like if you, like if you wear or Air Jordan 1s, they're pretty as low to the ground as you can get. Because you have your rubber outsole and then you have your small little air unit in the heel. But that's it. That's in the shoe. So you're pretty low to the ground in Air Jordan 1s. Whereas twos, you're a little bit higher and I guess threes as well, but not as high as the twos because the, the, the three has the four foot air unit and a heel air unit, whereas the two has a full length one. So that probably made it a little bit bulkier, a little bit higher off the ground. So again, is it because Michael Jordan didn't like the two all that much? Because like I said, he was considering leaving Nike. He didn't really see why he should stay because like I said, it was never his first choice. But that all changed the instant he saw the Air Jordan 3. So he was brought to a presentation to show the Air Jordan 3 
and he was already in a bad mood because, like I said, Nike was not his first choice. He was not happy with the last shoe. I'm assuming he was happy with the Air Jordan 1. I haven't heard anything saying otherwise. But he was out playing golf. He was four hours late to the meeting and kind of in a bad mood. And then they show him the Air Jordan 3 and he instantly falls in love with it. I believe they have his reaction if you watch the show on Netflix called Abstract. And I believe I have this episode on YouTube as well that you can watch if you don't have Netflix. They have the the episode about Tinker Hatfield, who is the designer of the Air Jordan 3. And him talking about, because that was, that was the first time he was kind of like given the task to design the next Air Jordan signature shoe. And I believe Jordan said that the three is like, I think for sentimental reasons, like one of his favorites. So it did have a big impact. So I'm thinking, oh, because this was Jordan's reaction to the shoe. Does that have to do with how people view the shoe? Right. If Jordan equally loved the two as he did the three, would that affect people's view of both shoes? Would the two be more accepted? But I don't know. These are just questions. I don't have answers for them because I, I don't know how that would be. That's some kind of alternate history then. Now, it could be maybe it's like, like I said, the marketing of the shoe, because like, a, like the two, as I previously mentioned, was seen as or what it was trying to accomplish was taking luxury and bringing it to the sport world, bringing it to basketball. And this idea was not abandoned because if you look at the Air Jordan 11, it also has the idea of bringing luxury to a basketball shoe because the Air Jordan 11, if you're not familiar with it, does feature patent leather surrounding the upper. So it's kind of like the, the, the upper is the patent leather. And then you have this what they call ballistic mesh that comprises the shoe. But it also gives it a dressy appearance. So you will see people who wear that shoe at formal occasions. The idea was that you could wear it in a more formal setting because it had that patent leather on there. Because if you think of like super dressy shoes, they may have patent leather on them. So again, that idea wasn't abandoned, but perhaps it was better executed on the 11 compared to like the two, like I said, which was had the same idea. That's why it was manufactured in Italy. And I'm not sure if it used Italian leather, but possible. The two does stand out. It really does stand out in terms of its looks especially compared to the one and the rest of the shoes that Nike produced at that time, where they all had like very, very similar looks. So maybe it was just too radical. Maybe it was too ahead of its time in terms of what it was trying to do. And it wasn't appreciated. And because it's kind of always had this like status as being no good, maybe that's carried on. Maybe in 20 years, it'll be reevaluated. And people go, oh, no, the best one is actually the Air Jordan 2. Who knows? I do think it comes down to how these elements were assembled beyond just the aesthetic. Because like I said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, something completely subjective. So you may go and look up, okay, well, what does the Air Jordan 2 look like? And be like, ooh, that's ugly. But someone else may go, oh, actually, I really like that design. That looks really nice. They may go look at the three and be like, Ooh, that's actually kind of ugly. I don't like that one. I don't understand what the big what the big deal is. Right. So it's a little bit more subjective. So I don't want to say purely based on looks or at least based on how I perceive them, because like I said, I do think that three looks nicer. I think it combines the elements 
in a more effective manner where the shoe just like flows in terms of like its overall look. Whereas the two is a little bit more awkward or a little bit more janky and how it combines all these different elements. But again, like I said, it's completely subjective. And then the, I guess the last factor to consider, like I said, is like the cultural impact of basically what was accomplished by Jordan in the shoe, because a lot of people like these shoes is because that's what Michael Jordan was wearing, who you could argue is the greatest basketball player of all time. He certainly was one of the biggest, because as I've probably mentioned previously, growing up as a kid, I was not the largest basketball fan. I was always a hockey fan because I am from Canada, if you're unaware. And in Canada, people like hockey. I'm not saying they don't like other sports, but hockey is the main sport. So as a kid, everything was centered around hockey. When we played sports at recess at school, we played hockey. Well, not on ice, but like foot hockey, which is kind of like soccer with a tennis ball. (laughs) If you don't know what foot hockey is. But that's what we did. It was always hockey was the focus when we talked about the playoffs or whatever, who the best team is. Or we were talking about sports in general is always centered around hockey or who the best player is always centered on hockey. But Michael Jordan was someone who was so big. It's like you knew who Michael Jordan was. I mean, unless you lived in a really small, remote village in the middle of nowhere and you had no TV, no radio, no newspapers, you were completely isolated, then maybe you didn't know. But again, someone as a kid who was not into basketball, you knew who Michael Jordan was. You knew who the Chicago Bulls were. Like I had a Chicago Bulls hat. And like I said, I wasn't a big fan of basketball, but I knew, I knew who the Chicago Bulls were. And I knew who Michael Jordan was. Was that so big of an impact that he has? So in every one of his shoes, if you, if you read into to sneaker culture or watch people on YouTube talk about it, like one of the things that is taken into consideration is like moments that happened while Jordan was wearing a particular shoe. So for the Air Jordan 4, there's the shot over Craig Elo in the playoffs in 1989 where Jordan hits a last second shot and and the Chicago Bulls win the game in the series to move on to the next round. For the Air Jordan 3, it is the dunk contest. So I believe that was the first public unveiling of the shoe. So generally Jordan would unveil the next model at the All-Star game. Or during All-Star Weekend. And so he wore the Black Cement. I forget which one it was. The Black Cement 3. Well, it was an Air Jordan 3. I think it was the black one. I could be mistaken. But anyways, he wore that in the dunk contest. That was that year the All-Star game was in Chicago. And that's what he won in wearing that shoe. So that's one of the big moments that people will mention about the Air Jordan 3 in terms of like on court. Uh, activities with with the shoe but i'm like okay but he did that in the two right because he's a repeat dunk champion so he won the year before wearing the air jordan 2 so it's just one of those things where i'm like okay so this co- accomplishment that that people point to for the air jordan 3 i'm like well he did that wearing the air jordan 2 people love the elephant print right so a type of animal print but i'm like the Air Jordan 2 has an animal print. It has it has the lizard print, right? People talk about, oh, it doesn't have a swoosh branding on it other than the heel tab where it says Nike Air. But on the side panels, it doesn't have that. Or I'm like, but the 2 doesn't have that either. So it's like all these similar things. But 
the result is two wildly different looking shoes from one another. Because like I said, when you go from the two to the three, well, if you go from one to the two, that, that's the same thing as well. But the one and the two don't really share the same elements, much in the same way the one and the three don't share the same elements. But when you go from the two to the three, you have very similar elements, but they're not really derivative of one another. Like You can't go from the two and then look at the three and be like, oh, yes, I see how how that transition works. Yes, that makes sense. Whereas, like I said, the three, four, five, you can say that. You can be like, oh, okay, I kind of see how we flow into the next shoe. So it just leaves me wondering, like, why, why does one work so well, but the other does not? So that's a question I leave to you, the listener. Go look up these shoes. See what they look like. Which one do you like? Which one do you think works better? Again, do you take it because Jordan preferred one over the other? Where he absolutely loved the three and it caused him to re-sign with Nike and stay with Nike? And conversely, he did not like the two, which why he was considering leaving in the first place. Does that affect your decision as to why you like one shoe over the other? Or is it purely based on looks? Are you like, oh, the two. Yeah, I love that shoe. Looks amazing. Or are you like, nah, the two is ugly. No one should ever wear it. We should hide it away, bury it. Deep in the back of some closet, never to be seen again. Because, like I said, it's not a popular shoe. Even over time, it has not gained popularity. Like some things at first, they're not accepted. And then later on, they're accepted. But the shoe, the two, no, not not accepted. They do remake it from time to time. But compared to the one and the three, one of the more popular models of the of, of the Air Jordan series. One's like come out every month. Or a couple times every month, a new a new model of the Air Jordan One comes out. Three, not as often as the one, but often enough. A couple, couple of times throughout the year, I'd say. But the two, maybe one a year. There was one this year that they did that was a woman's exclusive. It was a multicolored shoe. I didn't really like it because they were mismatched pairs, uh, but they were multicolored. And then last year they did one for Black History Month, which was kind of interesting. But overall, I didn't I didn't really like it all that much. So that's two shoes over the last two years. So one a year. I don't know if that's a schedule they follow rigorously. I don't know if every year there's only one Air Jordan 2 that comes out next year. So far, no word if another Air Jordan 2 is going to come out. But again, it's not particularly popular. So I can see why Nike doesn't release more per year because they're probably not going to sell well i imagine they usually sit and go on sale whereas three the threes can sit depending on the colors but they uh if it's a hot colorway i wouldn't wouldn't wait wait around if you want to if you want to buy one now ones ones uh yeah don't wait if you want to buy one if you're looking at air journal ones something you never thought about uh yeah i would not wait go Go get your hands on it as soon as you can. Don't wait around, no matter if it's a hot colorway or not. Because ones are in demand. Like, you may be wondering, why, why, why are you talking about shoes? Why do you care? I'm like, because shoes are taking off, man. If you haven't been paying attention, in the last five years especially, shoes have grown to insane amounts to the, how people are buying them and reselling them, right? There's like secondary markets that have been created because the demand for shoes, well, like Air Jordans, 
and shoes in general, but Air Jordans, let's, let's say, because we're talking about Air Jordans here. The demand has skyrocketed to the point where like previously ignored Air Jordan 1 mids and lows because people generally like the high because it harkens back to what originally was released, which was the high. I mean, there were lows too, but the highs are the ones that people wanted. But now mids and lows, people are buying them up, buying them up. It's crazy. Whereas, like I said, five years ago, yes, they were popular. Uh, Air Jordan shoes in general and the one obviously was popular, but people didn't want lows or mids. And now they'll take anything. Like when I walk down the street here uh, in Montreal, I see people wearing lows and mids more than I see people wearing highs because highs like are harder to come by because they sell out fast. I have a couple myself of highs, but they're difficult to get and it's becoming harder and harder. It's becoming harder and harder to buy shoes. Uh, well, in-demand shoes or hype shoes. So yeah, so what do you think in terms of what you prefer or why do you prefer it? You know, maybe you like the luxury aspect of what they're going for for the two. I mean, ones that come out now are not made in Italy, but the original ones were. So maybe that is something that you're like, oh, I didn't know that. So maybe that changes my view of the shoe or my opinion of the shoe because, oh, I understand what they're going for now. Now that makes more sense. So you never know. That could be the reason. Or why do you like the three? Because like I said, they're sleeker, they're lighter, lower cut. Right? Maybe you like that look better because the twos are a bit bulky, bulkier than the ones. That's for sure. So maybe it's the sleekness that you like of the three. So, yeah, we'll leave it there. The Air Jordan 2 versus the Air Jordan 3, like I said, how it comes down to the execution. How do you combine those elements, right? So why why does it work on the 3? Why does it not work on the 2? Or vice versa. If maybe the 2, like I said, works for you and the 3 doesn't. So I have been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And just to restate our non-legal legal disclaimer... Yeah, everything that has been mentioned in this episode has just been my opinion. So if you disagree, please feel free to disagree. Maybe you love the two, which, hey, no worries. Maybe you don't like both shoes. Maybe you don't like shoes at all. Maybe you don't care, (laughs) which is, again, completely valid. So my opinions that I've offered today, like I said, are my opinions, and you can disagree with them if you feel like disagreeing. I'm not saying that I have the ultimate truth or that only my opinions are the ones that matter. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Peace.